Welcome to SB Pod. We got a lot to get to this week, big boy. <laughs> it's an emotional day, Scott. Emotional day. The brotherhood. Yep. We'll get to Kay announcing that there will be a one last one last run, and then John Shire succeeds him in Durham, which is interesting on a lot of different levels. Uh, I have to update things on the Clippers. Last week, I was in the process of burying them, but I was very careful. Very careful. You were. Not, to, not to write their obit, and no. we, see, we see why. Uh, I want to talk about Dame Lillard. I want to talk about press conferences. Rockhold, you don't know this, but you're going to need to go get some sound from SportsCenter from last week. It's no big deal. You can find it, right? It was on TV. We can get it. All right, good. I want to talk off of the Osaka French Open fiasco, the idea of of, of press conferences and where that goes. And honestly, I was going to wait till the end, but Steve, people that listen to our podcast, they're invested in us. Yeah, yeah. They're invested in you and me as human beings. I think there's really only one place to start this podcast, and that's in Camden Yards. <laughs> Memorial Day, you took, the, you took the girls to a baseball game, and I said my lungs on the under three and a half innings because I said the Orioles give up a lot of runs, and they can score a lot of runs, but they got an old-fashioned pitcher's duel on Monday. <laughs> And let's start by updating how the day at the yards went in Baltimore. First off, after hearing your lungs bet, there's no way in the world I was letting my family leave before three. <laughs> I was gonna win that bet. You got we're staying. I'm in control, and 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 I, I'm not losing this bet. Um, but there was no pep talk that needed to be had. I was just gonna let it go. And we had some fortunate things work out where the baby took a nap for the first three innings. There you you go. mentioned the pitcher's duel. Uh, playground down the first baseline helped out pregame. Note to people, do not go to a game before an hour. Uh, they only let you in an hour before the game now uh, with all the COVID stuff, at least here in Baltimore. So thank God we timed it up perfectly. We literally waited in line. I was going to go at like 11 in the morning just to try and run them into the ground. We end up showing up at 12. We get the playground involved. <laughs> we get hot dogs, pretzels, popcorn. And then we had we had the the teas of the, of the ice cream. We had to, we go. had to we had to behave. We had to go see make you know, good choices. Yes, make good decisions. Sit in our seats for a little bit. Weather was hugely a factor. Um, not too hot. Uh, seats were incredible, thanks to the Orioles and the people there that that helped us out. Um, pace the game. <laughs> and the idea of the ice cream uh, yeah. at the end. Uh, and just for proof, I, I FaceTimed you in the uh, I box. FaceTimed you. Oh, you did? Yeah, I FaceTimed you just with the check-in just to see where we're. Oh, no, you I, texted me and I FaceTimed you back. That's exactly that's what, what it was. was. All right. That's okay. That's it. That so is because I, I was looking. I wanted to make sure that you had proof that I won. The FaceTime came from a tunnel <laughs> or like one of the portals there in Camden Yards. <laughs> yeah. Which as an aside, how great is that stadium? It's so good. It's so good. I, I don't want to say basic because it has its own feel, but you don't like it, but it's not like all these other ones. You know, I mentioned, you know, you mentioned the tunnel where you go out like in all these new parks, you go up to the bathroom, you go up to the, you know, get a beer or something like that. You can still see the game with how open everything is not at Camden Yards. Um, so Boog's Barbecue out in right field on Utah. That was a huge hit. 
Uh, also, but it's just, there's nothing like it. And I think it's 91, 93. When was it built? 92? It's like 20 years old, which is it's, impossible to believe. But the, it it managed when it was built to feel both old and new. I think and it's what, 30 years old. I yeah, think it'll right. be 30 yeah, I beg, next I beg, year. I beg your pardon. You're right. Yeah. Well, that just goes to show how fast time gets away. Ugh. Brad Stevens would announce that he's not going to coach. He's going to go up to the front office. It's like eight years as coach. I'm like, Jesus Christ. How is that? Eight years? There's no chance. But, yeah, Camden Yards felt old and new when it was built. And it still feels like there's it's perfect. Like, And, I look, I'm biased. I get it. There's, there's better stadiums, fine. But, like, of all the retro whatevers, it's I just think it's a phenomenal venue. I have to, like, obviously not a lot of people there. You were there for the Tony Fernandez home run? I was. Oh. It was so, so excruciating. Oh. They Orioles had, like, I swear to God, they had, they had they stranded 73 runners. That's an unofficial stat. They You've had seen like, him pitch the game of his life. Yeah, and they, they had, like, five guys get to third base with less than two outs. They could never score. And then Armando Benitez, who it turns out later, is tipping when he throws a split, and Fernandez smashes one out, and they lost one to nothing. It was just awful but i was in the building with chief me and chief went to that game oh wow did you go to the stone balloon before or after (laughs) in newark delaware we did not road trip to newark and back to baltimore Uh, well good on you because i can't you i don't think you could pay me if the mets were in a playoff game to go to the playoff game no way it's no way what i learned i couldn't do it what i've learned about steve and our years together is like they make fun of me watching maryland basketball they, they created something they called the panic room for me two years ago in, in uh, Connecticut, where they just basically, they would put me in another room where they would dial up the coordinates for the Maryland game so they wouldn't have to sit with me while we watched. Mm. And it's, it's, it's an emotional roller coaster, admittedly so. But what I've learned about Steve in our years together is the Mets push your emotional buttons, I believe, more than any other team. True or false? Uh, that's true. Why? That's true. Is it you and your pop? Is it does it tie you back to the days with your dad? No, I just think it's because of the everyday thing. Like I, that's what I did. Like I grew up, you know. I just yeah. grew up watching the Mets. I'm the I fan. Happy recap, Ralph Kiner. Like that. It's just all. Um, I don't know. It just. It just was. It was more of a norm than say a, you know, a football. Show. You know, I was a big Brett Favre fan. Like I lived. I never missed a Packer game when he was playing. Um, but I don't know. It just felt like not as much as much as the. Of the routine, like baseball season's routine. Weather's nice. Hey, you want to go down the Shea this week? Um, you know, City it. Fields brought out. You know, it's just it's just more of the norm and, and, and more doable. That's all. Well, I mean, at the moment, uh, Oriole playoff games are not not likely no. that I'll need to go to one um, nope. this year. Uh, you know, maybe someday, but but there is a there is a stress level with playoff baseball that we talked about. Oh. Not as, not as bad. It's not as bad as NHL. Uh, Stanley Cup overtime hockey in the playoffs. Nothing's worse than that. Nothing. Mm. But playoff baseball and that game in particular where they lost to the Indians one to nothing in extras was was gross. But it sounds like it was a great day. I, I one last thing on the helmet, because we talked about ice cream and helmet. Mm-hmm. Like what how how big is it? Like you're a big man and your hands. Is that is the helmet like does it fit in your hand like on Andre the Giant beer can? Like is it just in a the little bigger? A little bit. They ha- I will say they have gotten smaller. Over the, I over the time of years. Yeah. But, uh, you know, everybody's got the Dippin' Dots um, craze at the games, and that line was on. Like, our, my girls saw soft serves. Like, give me 
Give me, give me that. <laughs> we like that one. Wait, uh, I can wait in that line for an hour or have exactly. soft serve right now. Give me soft serve right now. <laughs> well, I am. Uh, we lost. I, I'm lungless. I am out of yeah. lungs because you won the bet. And uh, yeah, that sounds like a fun time. We um, we, we gotta awesome. get, we gotta get huge team, success. Gotta get Team Van Pelt up to a game. We'll do that yeah. this summer. Um, L.A. Clippers. Uh, I th- if I were. How do I? I'll just leave it alone. I'll just say that there's some in our business that like to take credit for, like, well, clearly the Clippers were listening to me. The Clippers don't give a what I say about them, and I'm sure they don't have any idea that last week I crushed them. But they deserve to be crushed down 2-0 to Dallas. Like when you're not actively participating in the regular season and you're ready to you 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 save it for the playoffs. Well, then be good in the playoffs. Mm. Well, they went down to Dallas. And they won a couple. And so we're talking on a Wednesday. They have game five tonight. It's a big game. Clearly, you win game five. History says you win the series. But, I mean, look, uh, Luca can't play like an absolute space alien forever. And the, the Clippers roster and who they've got option-wise is just a hell of a lot deeper than Dallas. And so the Clippers play closer to their ceiling for the two games on the road. And – you know, I take no credit. I just, I'm glad I didn't write their obit because it was very yeah. tempting last week down 2-0 after losing two at home to just be like, these guys suck, <laughs> you know? It's so hard to do with playoffs to, to get out of your mind the last thing you remember from a game. It's so hard. Every year I find myself hemming and hawing about, you know, making picks for the next game. You know, we're doing daily wager, and it's like, oh, man. He's like, Ugh. I'm like, Dallas could not have worked, looked worse in game four. Luca was about, I don't know, 30%. Like, I, I was wondering the if they next train, even, got the next even train. played. Right, right. And then I start thinking, I'm like, I mean, how good is Luca then in Carlisle? Like, this roster's not good. It's so flawed. Porzingis has been a bust. And then you just start thinking, well, all right, this series is over. And now they're coming out, and, and you don't know what you're going to get. No, you um, don't. Good you know, luck that's, betting game to game in these playoffs. Right, I mean, zigzags uh, for years has been sort of the, yeah. the the philosophy, and I mean, it's 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 it works some. I mean, it's not foolproof. No such thing in, mm-hmm. as it comes to sports gambling. If there were, we'd all do it. But it, I, I just give the Clippers credit for uh, finding some solid ground and just kind of remembering. All right, we don't suck, and because they don't, uh, they played like it. They played like garbage for two games, but uh, now back to you know. Two out of three, and they got two at home if need be. Uh, they've changed that series around drastically. Uh, I I just want to mention Dame Lillard. Um, we were on the air on Tuesday night. Yeah, <laughs> we're I'm, we're self aware. Okay, like we get it. We're on. <laughs> Dame Lillard's making thirty five footers every trip down, and you know, as a host of a television show, I could be buck naked right now, juggling chainsaws shooting bottle rockets out of my ass and no one would be watching no one so it, it's kind of a, a helpless feeling when you realize you're on the air against that because you're not getting to watch it but like after it's done and i went back and, and just watched what dame lillard did it's astounding the level of performance that you get in nba postseason the regular season it stinks. It's too long. People don't play. It's flawed for a lot of different reasons. And this year was the get it in regular season. They're trying to catch up lost revenue, the scheduling, blah, 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 blah. But man, 
when you get a performance like that, which by the way, and I called Rosillo on the drive home because you know, he's awake and I'm like, he's like, how about the fact that what for an hour Jokic didn't make a mistake? Like mm. all Jokic did was make one great play after another, but it looked like it might not matter because Lillard is taking and making 35 footers. I just, I have such an appreciation for how that guy carries himself never shows emotion that's the hardest thing for me to fathom steve like i was a crap talker on a basketball court and i was decent but i wasn't like if i was as good as dame lillard i would be a human blowtorch <laughs> i'd be so insufferable i would be talking junk to everyone and he never changed his expression i just i have so much love for lillard's game and the way he carries himself man he is unbelievable and they lost I know, and that's what I wanted to point out because, I I mean, night in, night out basis, he's as, as good as there is in the league as from a, from a viewing standpoint, but you've got to win this series. you got – I mean, the Den- Denver has nothing to get in front of him. At least they have a couple bigs, you know, with Nurkic and Kanter to throw at, at Jokic where they get – but Portland has so much more of an advantage in the backcourt in this series – and I just we, – we talk about how much we love him and how good he is. I just – does this just show what 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 the rest of his team is? Like, yeah, is, he, is he covering this much up? They got good players on that team, I feel. Well, sure they do. I agree. And, I mean, he didn't shoot the last 320 of double of over, double overtime or whatever it would double. Yeah, double overtime. Double overtime. He didn't shoot the last 320, which doesn't make any sense at all. Now, McCollum, big fan of his game. I don't mind relying on him some. Mello certainly is capable. I mean, they, they've got – they have options offensively that I can buy for a trip or two. But I'm going to need the guy that made like a dozen threes. Yeah. I don't care if he shoots from half court. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what a performance. Uh, but, again, Jokic – he, who's the MVP and, and plays to that ceiling? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I wish I wish I could I could kind of paraphrase. I I, I can't. The Rosillo conversation we had about Jokic and tricep definition and like blotchy face and the whole bit. Like I wish. Let's just. It was very funny, but I just it was it was an off the air conversation. He mm. he just doesn't look the part. Let's just say he doesn't look like an NBA superstar. Nope. But damn, if he's not, my yeah. God, Jokic is a blast to watch, and uh, and so is Dame Lillard. And so are, the, so are the NBA playoffs. I think we're, we're, again, we're talking on a day where there's a bunch of games. We'll have a little bit more clarity when we're done talking. But, I mean, there's a lot of series that are exciting, uh, and we'll only get more so as we move forward. Lakers in big trouble. Uh, Bucks, Nets coming up a series that I think is – do you think the Bucks can beat them four games? They could. Um, I think they have to play uh, ahead in the series. I don't like the mindset of the Bucs if they go down. We've seen – I just oh, think the, the angst. But I also look at how awesome Drew Holiday is for that mm-hmm. team. Uh, crushed me to see him go away from the Pelicans, uh, knowing what he brings to the table, what he's dealt with off the court. And, I mean, watch – I just – I just I watch him on the defensive end. Like, I, 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 I – everybody says they have a stopper. Like, I don't know. He's he's pretty he's pretty at the top level of being a stopper, and I just don't know what you do. You know, do you do you let Harden go get his? Yes, and try and take the other two away. That's what I do. You're I, not taking Durant away. 
I understand I mean, that. You well, know, that's why there, there's no stopper for that for that trio yeah. of guys. There's no stopper. <laughs> you just have to try to limit the damage. Like the game where they closed out the Celtics, it was close, but it was like fake close. And then it's they just decided that they were just going to. All right, look, we've done enough of this. And then yeah. it's like a three minute span, and they uh, eight point lead grows to twenty, and this lights out night night. Um, there, I don't know if the Bucks can. I mean, I don't know if anybody can, but I. I think the Bucks and or Philly, presuming it, it is Philly and the Embiid health is is a gigantic question mark. Uh, I think they're enough to just give them give them more game. Like the idea that it's a foregone conclusion, I don't buy that simply because they they've only played together like thirteen games. Now, granted, when they play together, like we saw it against Boston, the ceiling is higher than anybody else's. Yeah, it's just still you haven't you don't have a ton of uh, not trust, but just you just haven't created the identity of what you are over the, over the long period of time. And Boston, and, that, look, their whole year was weird. I just, it'll be different against Milwaukee just because they're, they're wired to compete with them. No doubt. And I think you talked about the identity, the identity. How do you get an identity? It's what you go to when you're in a tough situation, when you're facing adversity, we yeah. haven't seen, we haven't seen the Nets do that. I think we're going to learn a lot in this series. I when, really push do. Come, when push comes to shove and you need a bucket in the half court, it's like, okay, Kyrie, okay, use your handle and beat someone. Okay, uh, James Harden, you do the same. Okay, Kevin Durant, do whatever you want. Like they have three could do whatever you want options. Whereas the Bucks, if you're down one late, like they still don't seem to know what they want to do. It's give it to Giannis and he bulls his way to the bucket and nothing good happens. Like that – there's there are clear advantages for the Nets and Vegas showed it with that price. I was surprised it was that high. Yeah, uh, I just think it'll be a fun series. Do you um, take a healthy Do you take a healthy Durant over any other player in the NBA right now? You know my sweet tooth for him. I, I love him. I, I I just wanted to reconfirm. Yeah, I, I is just, reconfirm a word. It is okay. It is well confirm confirm again. There That's like go. misremembrance. Kind of. I don't. It doesn't sound right, but confirm means. Confirm, reconfirm. You're just doing it again. You're re, yeah, reconfirming again. No, no. There you go. Whatever. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah. Good. Durant's my guy. I left him off a list once. No big deal. Um, yes, it is a word. I looked it up on dictionary. There you go. You're good. There you go. Wake up. Wake hey, up. Thanks. Rockhold. Glad to know Rockhold's yeah. awake on his couch. There. Good mm. news. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part. Each transaction is a step towards a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code SVP. That's code SVP. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. So the Naomi Osaka situation at the French Open, everyone understands, I think, the Cliffs notes. She says, I'm not doing press. Then she didn't. They said, we're going to find you. And then she said, I'm, I'm out. And I'll say it at the start if it's not implied, but I don't want people to miss this part. Clearly, the mental health of anybody, forget athletes, the mental health of anyone is the most important thing period, full stop. Okay, we've established that. Now, the questions that spur off this, I think, are probably, they're more interesting from a 
sports standpoint, because I've seen this turn into, well, this is dumb that they have to talk. Press conferences suck. They kind of do. Uh, and then she sh- she should just be able to play tennis. That's she should. That's all she should have to do. Well, she can just play tennis in the park, but not for three million dollars, which is what you win when you win the U.S. Open. And professional tennis, just like the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NHL, and every professional sports league, has. And I had I looked for the specifics of what the obligations are. I I don't know them. I don't know what you're obligated to do. My understanding. I was reading Howard Bryant's Twitter feed yesterday is that like in, in tennis, if you were to win all the way through, there might be eight total media expectations. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it's eight total. It's not like baseball where it's an everyday thing or the NBA or the NHL where every game you got people in your locker room and all the rest of it. So it's pretty limited. It's pretty light. But she expo- expressed that, that there's angst, it creates doubt. It's stressful. And she's dealt and she's dealt with the depression. And again, that is an incredibly serious topic for her and anyone. But this has turned into a conversation where athletes shouldn't have to do that. The press conferences stink and, and everyone's mad at the media. And I guess I don't get that, Steve, because I don't know how I don't know how Q&A and getting insight into what happened how someone won, how someone lost, why, what someone was feeling in a moment, like context, which helps elevate interest in sports. I I don't see that as a bad thing, but we've reached this point where the media is so much the enemy Mm. that it's, I feel like there's this, and maybe I should stop taking noise on Twitter as being the way everyone feels, but that's all I see is all this, well, that's the, well, why should they even have to do it? Well, because I don't know. You'd rather just have an athlete go to his or her Instagram or Twitter feed and share that narrative. Like, I don't think that elevates interest in them as much as the conversation that, that comes from talking in and around the competition. I just I do. You, I just wonder what you what you make of it. Well, first of all, I look at you mentioned the Twitter and I think. What is being said on these social media platforms is getting way too much run. We have to stop acknowledging every single take yeah. um, thing like that on there. We just we have to do it. It's just it's not healthy. Um, you You're know, right you about al- that. You know, you have you always talk about you know that you know when you go to an event, how many people want to stop and take a picture with you, and. Did this, does anybody ask you for a picture on Twitter? <laughs> it's the total opposite. People will say things to you on social media knowing they don't ever have to show face. And that's the biggest problem. I know this has been talked about ad nauseum, but that's to me, that's where it starts. And you know, if like you said, the mental the mental health is the most important thing here. Let's let's get that figured out and then have the conversation about everything after. Right. And 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 so I guess I would just here. Here are a couple of examples. Last week, we had Joel Embiid and Donovan Mitchell on the same night after they after they won games. And I asked Joel Embiid about the process, not the much talked about process in Philly where they didn't try to win games and then they got draft picks, but about the process of the playoffs, because that's that's what it is. Traditionally, Steve, you got to get there. You got to learn how to win. And I thought this answer from Embiid 
in a post-game situation on the floor when I'm sure he'd rather get back to the locker room was really interesting. I mean, this is, uh, you know, my fourth year in the playoffs. So, you know, from, you know, you look at, you know, the first time that I got to that, uh, to this type of stage, uh, you know, he felt like I was there, but he felt like I wasn't ready. Um, and, you know, especially us as a team, uh, as you grow and you keep playing in this type of games, uh, you get more experience, uh, and I felt, and I feel like, you know, the past few years uh, we've gained a lot of experience, and obviously we added a, a great coaching staff. Uh, you know, that's been there; they've won it, uh, so they've been helping us a lot. Uh, so, and then us as players, especially me, just I just want to be, you know, go out there and just be dominant. Uh, whatever I gotta do, uh, every single night I gotta I gotta deal with double and triple teams. So I gotta make plays for my teammates. Uh, you know, I gotta attack. I gotta be aggressive, offensively and defensively. So, uh, you know, when you talk about that process, uh, you know, we had to start somewhere uh, to get to this point. Uh, but this is only the first one. Uh, like I said, there's nothing to be happy about. Uh, job not done. Uh, we got to close it down next game uh, and then worry about the rest. That same night, Donovan Mitchell and Utah beat Memphis and Mitchell was excellent. But afterwards, he shared that he didn't feel excellent. And I asked him after having 39 days off for an injury, how he would describe his wind and his legs, because obviously he's still in good shape. But is he in NBA shape? To be honest with you, I didn't play well. Uh, I mean, I was there in, in moments, but, you know, I think there was times I missed my teammates on a few things, and there's things I could definitely do better. Uh, that's my biggest mindset. Understanding, like you said, it's been 39 days, but I'm not going to give myself any uh, any leeway. You know, i got to be better at the playoffs. It's my job to go out there and lead this team. Uh, we did a really good job of that tonight. Uh, I mean, the biggest thing, is, like you say, you got to play. You know, you can work out. You can run a marathon if you want, but game shape is different, especially in the playoffs. You just got to be ready and adjust to it. And, you know, they got guys over there who can, who can defend. Dylan Brooks is a hell of a defender. He's making it tough. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's got to go out there and continue to, to battle through. So what we get here, Steve, is Joel Embiid saying, look, when I first got here, I wasn't ready. It's it's an honest assessment of a guy in his fourth playoff run who now feels more comfortable, more prepared for it. I, th- I thought that was an interesting answer. And Donovan sharing that, like, he doesn't feel close to being in NBA shape, again, is something that if you don't have some sort of Q&A after the fact, you don't hear that. I'm not acting like I deserve a Marconi award or whatever, the hell, or an Emmy or any of the rest of it. I just think the point being that post-game, post-match interaction with the media can give you insight into things, which helps us have better understanding of them as people. I didn't even bring up the whole sponsorship thing. And the sponsors want you out there as much as possible so that we can get to, so that the public can get to know them better as human beings. So I don't know. I just, now granted, I know Donovan, I know Joel some, and the conversation on television, maybe it's, it's different than a press presser, but not that different. I, am I wrong or did, uh, do you, I don't know. No, I, mean, I, just, I, I just can't, I'm still getting over how good the questions were by the host that was, thanks, asked, man. That was thanks. asking him. So, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's, that, that's what I was listening to. I um, no, definitely. And it's something I want to talk about a little bit later and things I hate because it's really come to the forefront here. Um, and it just has to deal with judging people at sporting events. And uh, we could talk about that later, but I'm with you. Uh, I, I, as much as um, some press conferences bore people, there are some good that come out of it. There's no I, doubt about I that. I just don't think it's as adversarial as it's been turned into. And the, the level of just sort of hate 
yeah that exists for the the, the process of of a someone in our field asking the question and getting an answer i don't i don't know i don't see it as is negative if players don't want to that's something they got to take up with their unions when they're negotiating these deals with with their uh, leagues because mm-hmm. there are ex- media expectations because the media amplifies these leagues. Um, but again, just to take it back to where we started, I hope Naomi Osaka takes the time. I hope that if she is battling depression, that she uh, is able to find what she seeks. And that most of all, that's peace of mind because she's awesome at tennis. But who cares about Incredible. that? Like, who cares about that? Uh, you worry about the human being first and foremost. Um, I just, I think that, that this part of it, our part of it, can be done in a way that isn't um, to the detriment of, of the athletes in the arena. All right, we get to uh, really the news of the day for Steve that I'm sure crushed him. Uh, end of the line for K next year. One last run at 74. This is not surprising. I, I, I had heard that maybe it would happen this year, but then their team, it was not vintage. They didn't make the tournament. I, I'd like, I'm sure that he'd like one more run and one more <laughs> shot at, a, at another run in the tournament. But the all-time winningest coach, uh, the guy who's the barometer by which everything else has been judged in the last 25, 30 years in the sport, uh, is going to step away. John Shire succeeds him. I know this is personal for you, so I just kind of I'll let you sort of share your your emotions about uh, the brotherhood losing the Godfather. That is correct terminology, as you uh, just used. It's it's tough, Scott. I I think that all day. I, I haven't gone on social media one thing because I know what people on social media think of Duke and Coach K, and I just kept thinking about all all the young times, man. Like growing up as a fan in the state of Connecticut, giving me. Two of the best, some of the best memories ever with Leitner beating UConn, winning those first titles. Like it's it just, I'll never, I'll never forget where I was for those. And with that, the way I am and the way coaches are, like you remember the losses. I, I, I went back and I looked 16 Elite Eights. He's 12 and four in, in 16 Elite Eight games. And I can tell you exactly where I was for those four losses. And those, those hurt. I mean, one of them was a blowout to Louisville. That's the game with Ware, um, you know, shatters his ankle with that dislocation. Remember that Kevin Ware with Louisville? That was uh, an Elite Eight game. Right. No, you don't forget seeing a human being's leg bone yeah. hanging out. No. All right. Uh, 98, pageant, Kentucky, on spring break, just gutted um, on that afternoon. And, you know, people forget, you know, they're just going to talk about, you know, two Final Fours. I think it's in the last 14 years or whatever. There's also those two Elite Eight games uh, in 18 and 19, the Kansas and Michigan State that were right there. Um, and you just, you know, it's it, the ride that they – I mean, wh- I just – like I've read all the books. What Gene Wojciechowski wrote an un- incredible book um, about the greatest game, which, you know, used the Kentucky-Duke game in 92 as a jumping-off point, uh, but goes into depth of, of every guy that was involved in that game. It's an incredible read. If you haven't read it, go get it. It's awesome. Um, and I, I think back to the one that really got me where Coach K got me was 93, which were they're trying to go for the three-peat. And they lose to Jason Kidd and Cal and Lamont Murray in Rosemont Horizon in Chicago. I'm in high school in tears. Bobby Hurley's done. That was Grant Hill's junior year. And watching K, you spoke at press conferences. K, I was absolutely gutted when he was talking about Bobby Hurley 
um, you know, having his career over at Duke then. It was I'll – ne- I'll never forget it. And it, it just showed me, like – and, I, and, I, and a year later, like, I'm getting recruited and stuff like that, and I'm talking to coaches and stuff like that. And it just always stuck with me, like, the amount of care that Kay has for his players in that program. And it comes from his his past, you know, whether it's from Army. And, and seeing – you know, Ryan McGee wrote a story today about – the first time he ever met Kay was at a Duke football game in 83. And Ryan McGee's dad was the head referee. And Kay, he's Ryan got a box lunch during the game, and he's up in the press box, and all the, the Raleigh Durham writers are up there eating around. And Kay walks up and just says, Hey guys, you know, can't wait to see you for this coming season. And Kay walks away, and one of the writers is like, that some bitch ass is gonna get fired this year. <laughs> and that's 1983. And they end up going to the tournament and like just you know the wherewithal to to have that, you know, being the new guy that going to a school, you know, I know Shire's replacing him, but you know, Duke had success in the late 70s in, in 1980. Uh and, and then he comes in and it was not pretty uh at all uh early on. And to to see how he stuck with it and, and built what he did is is just incredible to me. Are you done? Um, yeah. What? I mean, you have I mean, any thoughts? I thought you were going to cry, Steve. That's what I'm saying. I mean, for God's sake, you didn't even go there. I almost did. Your degree says Stanford. It does. It's from the roots, man. Growing up. I'm, I, listen, I, I appreciate. What about when Kay wrote you the handheld letter? How about that one? Uh, I wrote yeah. about. I wrote about that for the show. Um, Good. We had. We had. Mike on radio and it was a Friday uh, or a Thursday. I sent the letter on a Friday, send handwritten notes. People, did people do something nice? They didn't have to do. Just tell them you appreciate it. Send them a handwritten note. They got run by Nova that weekend. I send it on a Friday in they, Boston. They get run by Nova on a Sunday. Not a week later, I get a handwritten note back from Kay. Now, I do the math on that sometimes, like how it got there, how he saw it, how he how he took the time to open it or somebody else opened it. But he wrote a note back and what he wrote was personal. But I I sent him what I said was personal. But I tried to explain that I can't apologize for the way people in College Park act towards you guys like it's over the top. But it truly is born out of a desire to beat the best. And that's what you are. And the fact that that he and he and I, we, we shared a number of notes through the years. I would always thank him for his time. I sent him a note when Lefty Giselle got in the Hall of Fame. I know from a from my understanding of it anyway, that it was it was Kay's urging that, that carried a lot of weight in the room that Lefty got in. Now, Lefty went to Duke. So, you know, there, there's that. But we, we traded a number of different notes. And like at some point, I wanted to just like in parentheses, you please don't you don't have to write me back. Like you got a lot more important stuff going on. But it's just the, the it, it helped me understand like that the winningest coach of all time took the time to do the same thing back. And it just it stuck with me because um, he was the best. Uh, and I say it, he's not dead. He's still here and he's been the best modern era coach. What's interesting to me it's kind of like the osaka story there's that but then there's the bigger point and in in k's retirement is the bigger point of college basketball 
which is that with he and Roy both leaving the ACC, you lose f- five titles and three titles. You lose a dozen Final Fours and nine Final Fours. That's 21 Final Fours and eight titles in a sport, Steve, where – and we love the sport. But the turnover of talent is such that there's – guys don't stick around. Guys don't – you don't build any real brand equity. The, the, the stars of that sport, more than any other, are the coaches. Mike Krzyzewski mm-hmm. and Roy Williams. Like, when we do promos, um, like, if, it was a, if there was a promo of Duke, Carolina – for football, would they show Cutcliffe and Mac? They might show us maybe, but not maybe on the ACC network. But the, the larger point is that's not how the game would be framed, but it'd mm-hmm. be Roy and Kay when it's when those two going head to head. So when you lose that much juice, that much Q rating and Bayheim, like it's, I got to think that when his sons go on, he's done too. Yeah. And you lose that in a sport, Steve, where there is not an immediate successor. Like there's nobody that I look at that you say, these guys are ready to be the next version of that. And it feels damaging is the right word. It just feels like the sport already is, is on wobbly ground with the G league and um, you know, the other professional venue uh, avenues that players could take. uh, And now name and licensing, which isn't a bad thing. It's good for players, Mm -hmm. but if you're 74 and you're K like how much do you really want to relearn the landscape? Like you've done it. You got nothing to prove to anybody. Like it's time to go just do whatever the hell you want. And so I get it, but the sport, um, the sport will suffer uh, to lose that. I just, you and I had this conversation before we started this. I, it's amazing to me when we used to do the, who do you, who'll take over Carolina? We'd say Brad Stevens. We'd say the biggest names in the sports. Who got the job? Hubert Davis and John Shire, two alums, Neither of whom have ever been a head coach. I mean, neither one of those is a training wheels gig, man. You, you'd think it'd be somebody that had done it. I think that they do it in both cases because you are going to get – it's insurance. You're going to get way more wiggle room from your fan base when it's a beloved alum in that than if it was somebody you brought in from out of town. Uh, so I think you buy yourself a little bit of goodwill to get guys time to figure it out if it takes them a while to figure it out. But I don't know, it's a loss for the sport, you know. He, he was the guy – when Maryland was in the ACC, he was the guy that you you hope more than anything else your team was good enough to compete with. Yeah, it, it, to me, it's the timing. You know, you said it all right there. To me, it's the timing of where these two universities are and what might be what the idea of a coach is moving forward. You mentioned the turnover. Why is there a turnover? Because recruiting is so crazy. Um, you know, they got the kid Banchero coming in. He's I, I think I'm pretty sure he's from Seattle. You yeah. know, guys are going everywhere, um, you know, across the country to go to different schools. And I think how do you somehow, you know, lay lay some foundation to 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 try and stay right there right now is recruiting. And and Shire's proven to be an awesome recruiter. Hubert Davis is a face uh, on that Carolina staff. So I think you know, and and I think um, it's a sport where you really really got to be relating to the players. And, you know, it's, it's, it, you got to be a face in, in, in front of them where, where you could connect. And I think that's another factor in, in seeing these two younger guys without head coaching experience get the gigs. And just so we're clear here, like, doesn't, doesn't mean they can't be great. It's just there, you know, there cannot be bigger shoes to fill than, than K. Mm. Um, I mean, Gene Barto for our older listeners tried it at, at UCLA after John Wooden retired. And it's just, it's it's an impossibility, uh, mm-hmm. you know, K because of the era 
and how he transcended eras and created what he created at Duke. And we didn't even mention the USA basketball. I know. And, that's what I, I mean. Like, think about that. It's just, just that, a throwaway that he just totally got that thing back on track, you know, and that's and, not and the respect and, and the, the respect that he had from the late Kobe Bryant and LeBron James and the people like that, that all of whom thought in their head, like, if I'd have gone somewhere, it might have been play for you. You know, yeah. and, but I got to now like that's that's a Hall of Fame thing just as a oh, here, put this with the rest. Right. Yeah. That's over there. Uh, it's, it's astounding uh, what he has been uh, in the sport. And, um, you know, it's cool that he gets and it, you know, it's cool. And I wrote this for one big thing for the show. Like it's it's cool that you get to go through, you know, have Cameron filled. But it's also cool. You get to go on the road again. They've, they've worn a bullseye. You beat yeah. them in your place. You storm the floor. Like, think about that everywhere they go. If you beat them, you storm the floor. And that's what they've lived with for decades. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot to live with. And, um, you know, has he been perfect? Of course not. I'm not, huh. he's not a deity. I'm not suggesting it. Uh, but to, to carry the weight of all of that, man, um, you know, uh, he's, he's done as well as could be uh, reasonably expected with all the stuff that comes with it. So um, one last run. And we'll see if uh, Maryland and Duke play in the ACC <laughs> Big Ten Challenge. I'm guessing no. Oh. All right, what do you got for me? You got questions for me? I got a couple for you on the spot here. All right, Scott on the spot. Pew, okay. pew, 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 pew. Brow. Pew, 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 pew. Why don't Maryland fans hate Virginia? Um, I mean... There were just other people we hated more. Why? They're the closest to you. Yeah, but like, all right. When, okay, so this is this takes me back a while. But like, like I think the series record in football, like Maryland was better. I think the series head-to-head -head in basketball, Maryland was better. And in lacrosse, which they played an incredible oh. game on oh. Monday, Maryland was undefeated. Virginia, Lars Tierney and his guys, all credit to them. They they managed to hang on and win by one. It was breathtaking excitement. Apparently did rated really well. Um, I think that was one of those things where people, like word of mouth, you got an unbeaten Maryland team. Yeah. You got Virginia's got a lead, and here comes Maryland. And in the end, Maryland has to win a face-off with like 10 seconds left. Kid goes down, shot, stopped. Virginia wins. Uh, I, that, that rivalry, and Virginia's gotten Maryland a couple times in the title game. Um, so they've got an edge there, but I just, I think what it was taking me back to my, my youth and uh -huh. ACC roots, the team we hated when I was little was Carolina because it was Dean Smith and they were just better. Duke uh -huh. wasn't Duke yet. No. And then the team that we hated obviously became Duke and, it, and mostly in, in basketball was born out of the sense that Maryland hadn't, they weren't in the club. NC State had won a title, Carolina had won a title, then Duke won titles and Maryland just hadn't. And we were like, you all we we we're gonna win one someday and then we did which is the worst thing in the world because that's like when you're in vip and the guy out in the jeans and the sneakers gets in vip and you're like who let him in here they were like we're here and we're not leaving that was us that was us when we got in no apologies but like like I don't, Virginia, they just look down their noses at Maryland. They think we're hillbillies and we're not as good a school and we're not. Virginia is a better school than most. Um, but no, I, I never felt like there was like it's, real hate. I think it's more just, I don't know. We, we, I mean, well, like, well, like we were buddies. I mean, you don't like anybody in your league that you play against, but no, I, I never felt like. No, because I've seen, I've seen your guys' angst. I've seen the hate. Uh, 
And I just don't see it at Virginia. It's just yeah. shocking to me. No, we don't. I mean, and then, look, they've been better lately in basketball and, uh, you know, in the yeah, lacrosse. Get a little been, game going. Well, look, I'm going to, I'm going to go on Chris Long's podcast and I, I, I don't know how much of it's going to be lacrosse related. We can bring it up. Oh, because, I think it's going to be all Virginia, Maryland. Well, if you remember when we had the radio show, he and I had a bet over the Maryland-Virginia game. Maryland beat him, and I sent him a Maryland jersey, and he had to put it on, and he we had video of it. He's like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened in my life. <laughs> so I think he doesn't – I know. Like, he he has just utter disdain for Maryland. We'll do, We'll get into this. I'll tell, oh, yeah. him that, I'll tell him that you asked me. I'll, pr- and, I'll prep him. Yeah, well, let him know. Let him know the. I mean, because maybe he has a totally different answer. Maybe he, maybe he really doesn't like Maryland. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's the case. Okay. Whatever. Ready? Yep. Assuming the Hawks win the series, uh huh. Grade the Knicks season. Uh, letter grade. Yeah. B. B's, okay. B's good. Like. I I appreciate that they liked that they were passionate. I love that the garden feels like the garden again. You did celebrate the game two win like you won the title and you beat the Hawks. Like get a hold of yourselves. Like that to me was just like you're New York City, man. And you know what? It it speaks to just how long it's been. That's... So I don't want to speak out of both sides of my mouth. Like I gotta, I gotta applaud the enthusiasm more than I'm shocked by just how brand new it all has to feel to them. But assuming Atlanta beats them, and by the way, Atlanta's roster is better. They're younger, they got more options offensively. Like a lot of these guys that the Knicks picked up when they didn't get Durant, it has worked. It's added, it's added up nicely. All credit to them. They, they fought hard. They played well. Had a nice year. B. B. Okay. I mean, you could put a minus next to it if you want to be mean. See, I think it's a plus. I think it's at least a B plus. You got to think about where they were. B. Like a year ago, the Knicks. I understand. Now, like they earned a four seed. I just – I think you're being a little harsh on them. That's all. If you don't win a playoff series, you don't get a B-plus. They won like 10 games last year. I, they've won one playoff series this century. I get it. But, like, how do you – B-plus means there's only one grade higher than that. we got to leave room for improvement here. You have to look at where they were. You yes. have to look at not winning one playoff series – like if you say they get beat, say they lose tonight, you get beat four to one. You want a B plus? Yeah. From where they were, you don't get credit for regular season. Yes, you do. And you're look at they, what they've been. They they get the award for trying hard. Like once talent comes into play and teams are D and up, they couldn't cut it. You guys, I'm giving you a B, and graders. you want? Glad I didn't have you guys for teachers. What do you want? It's a B. The B's good. How many B's did you get at Stanford? Do you have easier teachers? More at than you think. More than you think. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's let's examine that. More than I think. You were you did well at school? No. But more than well, I, don't, I mean, I'm not saying you got one. We had to get some B's late to get the old to get the old <laughs> piece of paper. Let's just I, say that. I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. All right, I'm giving. We had, them to, a, we had to get up. We had to get improvement. So I understand. I'm giving him a B. Uh, look, the B got you the paper at Stanford. The B is all you're getting okay. for the Knicks if you lose to Atlanta without winning a playoff series. All right, ready? Yep. Eggplant, assess. Yep. 
No, thank you. Why? I don't like it. Consistency, texture. No, thank you. Wow. Okay. What? What do you? I, I don't have to like eggplant. Do you? I, I love it. All right. Right back at you. Artichokes. Um, I, I like them with the spinach and the dip. It's not, that's 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 different. That's like peanut butter and jelly. You don't get to add no. stuff to it. Artichokes, steamed artichokes. I, I don't think I've ever eaten one. Do you know how? Steam them. Yeah, but then there's a leaf, and when you take the leaf off, you gotta use your teeth to scrape the stuff off it. And if you don't know that, you just put the whole leaf in your mouth and start chewing it, and people are like, look at that guy. Oh, I didn't know. All right, see, I'll try. I'll try one. Just I'll go try. artichoke hearts because I okay. I prefer artichoke hearts. You How like artichokes a lot. I like hearts of palm. When's the last time you tasted one? See why you got to do that. I don't. I, my taste situ- <laughs> my taste situation is pretty grim. Had a heart to heart with Herb Street on the phone. He tweeted out the other day he hadn't tasted anything in five months. We're just commiserating. Like, is this just it? And you know Herb Street, like when he like he's got that like. He's got that almost childlike gear. Like he's like, like, bro, like, is this, are we just never going to taste? And I'm like, I don't know, man. It's not great. We're both, we're, we're all in search of like people have sent us these remedies. Let me, thanks. None of them work. Um, <laughs> so I haven't tasted anything in a while. All right. Um, are you done with your questions? Yeah. All right. You got something you hate? I do. Roll the animation or the production or whatever the hell it's called. Steve and I have lengthy lists talking about this guy or this thing or this whatever. Once a week, one thing a week. Here's what I hate. Go. What do you hate, Steve? This one is getting to be a problem. And I hate when people judge people after a loss. Okay. And it's not fair. We talked about the press conferences there. And I just don't think that's the right time to assess a person, judge a person, make fun of a person. Uh, I, 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 you mentioned the Maryland lacrosse game, and I think about those guys laying on the field um, after that loss, knowing they lost an undefeated season, knowing what they've been through, and you know, hear, you know, hearing what they had to do to go to practice every day this year. And, you know, I just, you know, these NBA playoff games where guys just don't want to answer questions like, but they're still there. You can't judge these people in their worst possible moment. It's just not fair. And we have to stop doing it with the memes and the the videos and stuff like that. It's not fair to do. I hate when when people judge people after losses. You know what? Like this is normally like laughs time and, and chuckles. Like that's that's a great point, and I completely agree with you. Um, it's why anytime if I have like a relationship with a coach or a player and they have a, a brutal loss, I'll always mention the man in the arena. Uh, my favorite speech is the Teddy Roosevelt speech, and the gist of it. I'm just reading. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of the deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust, sweat, and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who actually does strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best, this is important, 
in the end knows the triumph of high achievement who and who at the worst if he fails at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat if you're the person that's getting your jokes off on social media you're who they're talking about you are the cold timid soul who knew neither victory nor defeat that's who you are so i'm with you um i'm with you i think i think everything's been has been reduced to its lowest common denominator when it comes to this stuff. So mm. I, I'm with you there. Uh, that's actually, that's a great one. Um, and it's, that's, uh, people ought to take that to heart. They won't, but they should. Uh, mine isn't nearly as serious. I just, I, I hate that Dame Lillard is four quarters away from not getting to play another playoff game. Um, he also could be two wins away from another series. Mm. So it's a lot of times it's how you look at things and he'll be in the arena uh, for game six. I just, I also think, like it, it turned into this, his performance that they lost turned into like, he plays with a bunch of jokers. I, I disagree with that. I don't, I don't think that's what they are. I just, I think Denver's got really good players. Speaking of the Joker, uh, they've, 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 they've got a, they've got a, a sublime talent. I just, I just, I hate that the, as the postseason moves on, that you lose, so many great players and the opportunity to watch them play. We saw it already happen in the NHL. A bunch of superstars are already out of the mix. Uh, I just, I hate after watching Lillard do just outrageous <laughs> the other night, think, well, he's one L away from not getting to play anymore. Uh, and I don't, this isn't related to hating anything. I, I don't love the fact that people act like he's supposed to leave there. Like he's supposed to get out and go somewhere because what you're going to go somewhere else and you're going to win. Cause that's so easy to do in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, look at Boston. I mean, we didn't even get into the Stevens news. Like I saw people calling him a failure, a failure. They went to three finals in four years. Like they had Kyrie come in and say he was going to stay and then spend a year kind of actively looking to blow the whole thing up. And then he split and then they get Kemba Walker and that contract's not a great one. And then Jalen Brown gets hurt. Brad Stevens, a failure. What are you talking about? You know how hard it is to win. Like Portland's really good. Dame's awesome. They might lose in the first round, and that might be it. Like it's hard to win. Oh, you should go to New York. Okay, and then what? <laughs> and then, and then what? Then we can watch him in the garden go nuts. That'd be fun in the East Coasters. But I don't know. I just I don't think that it's as easy as all that. So this has been fun. A lot of fun stuff to talk about today. Um, everybody sent thoughts and prayers to Steve. He's obviously hurting today about the brotherhood. Um. I'm hurting because I don't have any lungs because I lost him because the kids stayed for more than three and a half innings. And Rockhold's asleep uh, on the couch. So that's where we are. I'm here. Okay, thanks, buddy. And we're not. This podcast is over. <laughs>